What up, though? This is Knockouts and Three Counts. But before we bring you another episode of Podcast Gold, let me tell you about the homies over at Michigan's Finest. Do you ever find yourself trying to get yourself together and thinking, man, this is going to be a great night, but I'm looking for that little extra something-something? Well, check out our friends at Michigan Finest. If you are into medical marijuana, rec recreational marijuana, concentrates, vapes, anything of that sort, Michigan's Finest has got you covered. And as you can see here, it's all easily done by their website. It's all curbside and you'll be in and out in two minutes. And they're family owned and operated. So customer service is their number one goal. And now since they are rocking with knockouts and three counts, use the code KO3MF. Yes, that's KO3MF. You get 10% off your entire order, but that does exclude featured items and items that are already on sale. But if you use that code, you're getting 10% off your items. And I promise you, either if you're looking for that big knockout or you're ready to hit the sheets for that three count, Michigan's Finest will get you together. Tell them knockouts and three counts sent you. And I promise you, you're going to be having a great night. Peace. This is the Ring of Honor, a.k.a. Shane T, boy. The baddest champion you've ever seen, boy. This is Mr. This is good old JR Jim Rock, and you are listening. You're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. Knockouts and Three Counts starts now. another thursday and guess what i made a little bit of extra money in this bitch it's almost time for tax season make sure you check out our sponsors g3 payroll and tax but man tonight's gonna have a hell of an episode man you might even say it might be lights out today we've got the knockouts and three counts debut of one blake bulletproof troop fresh off of his nwa debut on christmas day how the hell are you doing brother man i'm doing fantastic like you said a couple days ago made my day or the video uh or the broadcast of my NWA debut went out there, went and had a banger with J.R. Kratos. Billy Corgan was feeling it so much that he made it the main event for the Christmas special, which debuting in the NWA is a big deal. Debuting main events on the Christmas special, I'm pretty proud of myself for all the work I put in and, and seeing it get recognized. So I am feeling pretty damn good about myself at the moment. How y'all doing? can't complain man we had a 50 degree day in fucking december so for us here in michigan that's saying something son of a bitch yeah. but other than that i'm doing all right Corey right. jaybone how about y'all like you say got lucky got to melt off a little bit of the snow i also found out uh rather late that i get the lovely friday off as well so no complaints yeah. on my end man I'm trying to just enjoy this uh weekend leading up to uh new year's man what about you guys Nah, man, I was ready for the year to be over, to be honest. Like, let's get 2022 <laughs> out the way, dude. Start yeah. fresh. Yeah. New yeah. year, new me. Am I right, guys? Come on. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Here we go. This fucking guy. He's one of those new year, new me. What are you going to be in the gym Monday morning? No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to shave all my facial hair off. Maybe my, I'm going to start going bald on the head, you know, just, just get rid of it all. New look. And you're already, you're already off to a good start, sir. I, you know what, Kyle? I don't need your shit. All right. <laughs> we got a guest tonight let's talk about him hey you guys celebrate a 50 degree day bro i'm in florida it was 70 degrees today like 70 yeah degrees. i 
Uh, well, oh, man, when, I was just ice skating inside of a rink. Like that's, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, cold in Miami like a week ago though, which is bananas. But what's cold for you though is the question. <laughs> I would say like, bro, if it's seventy degrees, I'm gonna be complaining. Sixty. <laughs> it's. I'm from California now. I live in Florida, bro. I'm like used to sunshine and, oh. and relatively warm weather. I used to think California, Los Angeles was like warm, but now when I go back there, I got to bring a hoodie. Florida's nice, <laughs> bro. We're like. It barely gets below 60 or like 70. It's, it's pretty nice. Well, I in our great state of Michigan, a, the weather makes us depressed. So this, <laughs> this was sucks. about seven, maybe Bro, 10 if years I had to like go out, If I had to shovel my way from my front door to my car and then my car out of my driveway – Every morning before I like went to go do shit, bro, I would not be. Too oh, don't shit. forget, you got you got to shovel off your windows. You got to make sure your windshield wipers don't stick to your fucking windshield. It all yeah. sucks. You'd be even more jacked, bro. What do you mean? What are you talking about, bro? Yeah, you're talking about it. you need the workout before you go to the MMA gym or you go to the Death Proof Dojo. You're looking out over here, bro. Just fucking do the snow <laughs> I real mean, quick. I you to put in the work. I, I, God I damn. See, that's why it's a good thing that they made snowblowers because uh, we're doing all right. But uh, <laughs> we ain't got no snow on the ground now thanks to this 50-degree weather. But, you know, the other thing that's heating up is uh, thanks for you with NWA. But before we get to uh, your debut on Christmas Day and that, you know, as I mentioned in the in your intro, you know, we also cover combat sports and all that stuff too. So before long before you got into wrestling, I'm well aware of what you were doing in the combat sports world and what you're still doing with like high rollers and all that kind of stuff. So before we get to NWA, tell me a little take me a little bit through, you know, your MMA background. I saw you fought Khalil Roundtree of all people. You know, we just were I just were hearing about uh his next fight coming up. Um, tell me about the MMA background and how much you're still grappling and how did that bring you to wrestling? So um, I've been fighting professionally for about eight and a half years. I have 14 professional MMA fights. I fought at 170 pounds. I fought a lot of times at 185, a handful at 205. I'm like 240 now. If I fought MMA again, it'd be heavyweight. And my last fight was supposed to be at heavyweight, which was supposed to be March 13, 2020, main event on the Fox Sports Network for Lights Out Extreme Fighting, which is where my lights out came from a promo that I made for that because it was a Friday the 13th event. So I made this dope like wrestling style promo where I'm in like Jason Mass and like talking shit and they were going to play it through the whole arena. And then my music was going to hit and I was going to come out and fight the champ for the belt. Um, but for those who are good with dates, March 13th, March 12th is when the world started shutting down from COVID. And so I was in California and that we were like the first place to get shut down. The fight was supposed to be a Friday. I woke up Thursday morning to, to go to weigh-ins and found out the biggest fight of my career had been canceled due to COVID. Um, which sucks, but so that was supposed to be my last fight. My last actual MMA fight was September 21st, 2019. So it's been a while since I've been in the mixed martial arts cage. Um, and the reason being, I've, since COVID happened, I really transitioned to over into professional wrestling. In 2016, I mean, I'd been fighting, like I said, for about eight and a half years, which I want to say early as 2014. Um, I fought for a few years, went four and five in my first nine fights, which is not great I, fought, I was fighting tough guys like Khalil Roundtree multiple times on national tv and stuff but I, against competition that i ne wasn't necessarily prepared for um but that is what it is but i got myself to a four and five record and i was and let me rewind a little more right right before i started my fight career i gave myself five years to go this was like my dreams and my goals and so i gave myself five years and i was like no matter what five years i'm gonna i'm giving myself to really go after this and actually fucking try like it doesn't matter what happens 
three years in, I'm four and five. And I'm like, man, my career's not going how I thought, blah, blah, blah. And around this time is when CM Punk debuted. Connor's starting to get pretty big. Not, not the star he is today, but he's on that trajectory. And so I'm sitting there looking at guys like this, and I'll be honest, I was pissed when CM Punk debuted in the UFC. Some guy who's been training for like, I mean, when you watch the fight, not fucking very long or not very hard. No offense to CM Punk. And I'm sure the guy was guys who were fighting were pretty tough, but like that dude, ac- or accolades wise and skill wise, did not earn a UFC debut. And I was fucking pissed about it. But the thing was, I, I'm sitting there looking at that, and then guys like Conor McGregor who are getting fade. Can Conor fight? Conor can absolutely fight, but Conor's Conor because of what he does outside the ring. Very little right. of what he does. Fight. Dude, couldn't fight. I mean, fuck, what's he on a four-fight losing streak? Still fucking one of the top names. Has a well, when he first came in, he was a killer, but then I feel like he got right. off his mind, though, because when he That's... first came in out of Cage Warriors, he was fucking dudes up. So here's, and so I'll continue with my theory on, on why did Connor look so good. Obviously, Connor's good, but if you're picking guys that are going to be a great stylistic matchup, shorter strikers, Fair. then you, you're going to look better. Or I wonder if I'd say better, but you're – you're putting yourself up in a position to look advantageous. Good. Position. If, how's this dude getting yeah. special fucking treatment and getting the hookup matches? Because the dude's entertaining and they want to see him knock somebody mm-hmm. out and say some wild shit. Yeah. And so I'm looking at guys like CM Punk, who I wouldn't say is a crazy personality in fighting because I don't think he really got the promo type stuff for fighting. He's great in pro wrestling, but I think it's a little different in fighting. But CM Punk put asses in seats and sold fucking pay per views. Connor puts asses in seats and sells pay per views. Connor can fight no against like I'm not gonna keep saying how CM Punk can't fight, but CM Punk, both of them got there because they are profitable. And how the fuck do you become profitable is you get motherfuckers interested in what you're doing. So I'm looking at guys like these getting these hooked up things and not I think Connor earned a lot of what he had, but I think giving favorable matchups made it a much easier path. You know, versus guys that are hundred percent skill-based fighting to the top row, you're fighting some fucking killers, and that's the long, rough road, and I'm not saying that being able to fight's overrated because I think you have to be able to fight. But um, being entertaining boosted both of these guys' careers and gave them opportunities that I wouldn't say they were were opportunities that were going to make them potential because they probably gave CM Punk the best favorable matchup they could. He just <laughs> yeah. do anything. His lack of experience shows. Let's just well that clip that yeah. just got all over the internet with him and Jake Shields might prove otherwise, but. Okay. <laughs> Jake Shields just beat the shit out of him at the UFC PI. Oh, that wasn't that wasn't uh, was that um CM Punk? Or th- I remember. No, that, that was, was the guy that right. beat up CM Punk. Oh, okay, all right, that's who that guy was. He's like pressing John. Like, Are you top all this shit? And then a motherfucker shows up and like didn't even really beat his ass. Like he yeah. just smacked him up a little bit. But it was yeah, funny because everybody always calls anything. Jake Shields like just the jujitsu guy out of the Diaz clan. And here he is, got him in full yeah. mount, just smacking yeah. dude around. But I say, <laughs> hey, you talk shit, you get hit sometimes. I'm not crazy. mad at it at all, dude. Especially like, I'm not mad at it at fight all. sports, right? Like, <laughs> again, hello. <laughs> so watching guys like that, I was like, I'm four and five thinking. And I almost like, dude, do I just stop? Like, And I was like, dude, you said five years. Like. If we're going to keep doing this shit, though, you need to make some fucking serious changes in your career. So, I, number one, I dropped my management. I became my own manager, which I think was a big thing about taking fights that I wasn't necessarily ready for. But there's a lot of hype behind me because I've been training for a really long time and so forth. Where he was able to piggyback some of his other fighters, getting opportunities off me. And I, not that I maybe shouldn't have won some of those, but like Cleo Roundtree on eight-day notice with no training coming off an injury was a poor decision to make. Like, 
Um, you know, I guess I shouldn't have been told that was in my best interest, you know, in my opinion, looking back. So I started managing myself. Number one, I switched gyms as well. I moved to Black House MMA, which guys like Anderson Silva, Leota Machida, Khalil Roundtree, and a bunch of other guys that are, was a much higher level skill base of coaching and um, training partners, especially sparring day. Fuck, you don't know who's going to be in there. Mm-hmm. I'd be training with, um, fuck, who are those two Russians uh, that were the Bellator champs? I don't know, it doesn't uh, even matter. Um, I know. Um, 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 Slomenko. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alexander uh, Slomenko. And uh, um, or something who's a 70 champ, Korshkov, yeah, Korshkov, but it doesn't matter. But so, where now I'm training with guys that are champions in major organizations versus training with, and I'm not trying to bash the opponents, but just it was a different level of training. And I realized I need to step up my my coaching level, like the coaches that I'm working with, and not only that, but now I had a wrestling coach, I had a striking coach, where now I had specialized coaches, I was past the fundamental basic learning part where now I needed the advanced coaches in each different area to teach me how to use striking or whatever in my area. So drop my management, switch gyms. And here's another major one, which I think might even have been the biggest thing is I started my brand of Bulletproof Troop. Where now I'm not just Blake Troop getting in the cage fighting anymore. I am Bulletproof Troop. I started adding catchphrases, you know, when the hand grenades start flying, body start dropping. My logo is a hand grenade. I got it on the right sleeve because this is the hand grenade on this side where you know, known for dropping warheads on people's foreheads and so forth. I essentially created a That's professional dope. wrestling personality that was genuine to me and myself and what I believe in and stand for. My last, mm-hmm. my last real name is Troop on my birth certificate. So like created a whole brand around this. And that is one of the things that got the most, um, helped me in my opinion the most, because now I'm talking shit to opponents, but being like fun and entertaining. Cause anybody be like, Oh, you're a bitch. I'm going to knock you out. I'm like, mm-hmm. like, cool. But like Connor, who the fuck is that guy? What yeah. was that five years ago? And it's still fucking catchy line. Yeah. Yeah, being witty and talking shit. Yeah. And not only that, but kind of talking shit to get under their skin a little bit. Because if I piss somebody else off, all his fans now want to watch him kick my ass. And all my fans are like, bro, that was funny. Like, fuck this fool. And then our fans might even start going at it. Where What it does is it just starts building such a different entertainment value to to each fight, why go fight multiple tough guys when mm-hmm. I can just fight? I mean, not that there weren't tough guys, but you'd be entertaining as fuck. You could fight half as often against guys that are more favorable. Like, and so that's what I did. I just started going out and just being entertaining. Not that my, I don't think it really changed my fight stuff. I don't think it got big enough for that. But it got me title fights where I fought at 205 and I lost for lights out of stream fighting. And my next fight was a heavyweight title shot. Like, and it's, I can't attribute a ton of that to Bulletproof Troop, but I attribute a fuckload of that to Bulletproof Troop. It's one of the things I think makes me stand out the most. And so with this brand that I created, this professional wrestling personality, Bulletproof Troop, got the WWE's attention because I'm cutting pro wrestling style promos, talking shit like. And so I was essentially a pro, like I said, a pro wrestling personality, but in legitimate Mm -hmm. combat sports. Mm -hmm. As a result, that got some attention from the WWE. Um, I chatted a little bit with them. Um, never ended up getting a tryout. I got injured as well when they were kind of looking at me and missed the fight. And so I don't know if that deterred them a little bit. I'm now 35 as well, which is a little older than they like. Um, I heard that they're look because of some things that I've done to some people, which I'll tell this story about why I don't work at CYN anymore. But I hear right. they're also a little scared of me. Um, 
which let's jump into that story. <laughs> let's. <laughs> that was for those who don't know, that's where we originally met Bulletproof Troop because mm-hmm. we had EC3 on when they came to town for the CYN show, just to give you guys a little bit of background. We're not just pulling it out of we're not pulling it out of thin air. Let's fucking talk shit about CYN. But no, there's no, a reason we're going to say about CYN. Those are my boys. I have a ton of love for Mike and the guys. Um, but this is why I stopped working for them. Um, and it wasn't even necessarily my it was um Adam's call, Braun Strowman. Um, so let me get into this. So I'll give you guys a little background so it just you can understand the full picture. So at CYN, I'm referred to as death. At the time, I hadn't lost yet. I hadn't been bumped in a match. I might come out and beat up four or five people, toss a bunch of people around, and so forth. I'm like, I'm, I'm death. I'm just fucking scary. And I come out and smash everything. Um, like, even now, I'm like 17 and one in pro wrestling. My NWA debut is my first loss. So the perception of me to the crowd, especially like when I come out and do shit, is, is he's a big, scary, badass motherfucker. You know, um, and if you look at me, my ears are chewed up. My nose is crooked. I have scars all over my face from fighting. Like, I clearly look like I know how to fight, too. And I'm 6'4", 245, like 8% body fat, like shredded. So, like, I'm a big... Like Rick Ross said, big motherfucker. So, <laughs> my background being a legit fighter, being big as fuck, looking tough as fuck, and now I'm being presented to the crowd as this fucking killer, you know? So, we are at a show. CYN has a show at Tin Roof in Orlando on June 11th, 2022, this year. Um, so, now I've been working for CYN for like three months. We had toured the country a little bit, and they're supposed to be doing a bigger tour. And um, so, now we have this event. Um, I come in, I just clear the ring of like five guys. It's the beginning of Pride Month, so I like save the gay guy. It's over as fuck. Um, and now there's an after party at the venue. And so, it's in like a different area, and there's like a VIP area that we're all in, that the CYM people are in. There's like a bigger area, a VIP area. And then there's like a VIP table in the VIP area. That's like where the bosses are all sitting. Like I'm sitting, and I'm really close with, with Mike, um, EC3 and, and uh, Adam Sher, Braun Strowman. I'm like fucking good home. Like I've stayed at Adam's house in Wisconsin. Like, so I'm at like that table, but I'm with one of my girls. So, and she's into girls. So we're like up dancing with chicks and like having a blast. Like I'm having a great night, you know, I'm really and my chicks into girls. We're like dancing with chicks. I'm having like the most fun in the bar. So we come back over to VIP area. And um, so if here's like the table, we would walk up. And so like, we're kind of by the edge of the table. And so I'm like chatting with her and standing there and I get pushed in the back, like not hard enough to make me fall, but hard enough. I had to take like two to three steps to stumble and catch myself. And I like stop for a second and I turn around, like maybe it's one of my homies, like, but this is the VIP table behind. Maybe it was Adam. Like it was, cause this is a good fucking push. <laughs> I turn around. It's like some like 45, 50 year old, white dude looking look at me dead in my eyes smiling and laughing so I, and i got like a tank top on bro i'm fucking jack like <laughs> like i said face chewed up like clearly fighting so i lean in with a big smile on my face and i was like my man i'd appreciate it if you didn't touch me blah 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 and this dude erupts and we're like fucking face to face because like it's a bar and shit so it's kind of so i'm like he erupts in laughter like laughing right in my face so i lose the smile i'm like nah motherfucker like for real you touch me again, we're going to have a fucking problem. I have no idea who this guy is. I just know he's at the VIP table, but I mean, you could be sitting at any motherfucking table. You right. touch me like that, like it's going to be a fucking problem. Right. And so I'm like, time. we're like close. And like, it's clearly a fucking issue now for anybody who's looking. And so I get tapped by Adam Scherz, chick, Ron Sherman's chick. And she's like, hey, hey, it's cool. He's with us. And I was like, it's cool. I'm just talking to him. And I look back and so we're like this. And he's like fucking smiling and laughing again. And I slide back in. I'm like, my man. 
I need to know that you and I have an understanding that that's not going to happen again. <laughs> and he says in this English accent, he's like, oh, do you, mate? You go fuck yourself. Wow. I smack! And I smack this motherfucker in the next week, bro. <laughs> Open hand smack. <laughs> oh, and like, he's like kind of sitting up still, but like out hand, like drop. And I smack the fuck out of him a second time, which was probably uncalled for. And he starts now, completely knocked out, falls and like fucking knocked out in the fucking booth. And Adam shirt jumps up, brown jumps like, what the fuck? Get the fuck out, blah, blah, blah. And so like, I just turn around and walk away. And, and so I'm like at the bar trying to close my tab and I can see, I can see the table. This motherfucker is asleep. I walked out of the bar before he woke up. Man, I'm open hand slap this motherfucker. He asked for it, bro. Like, yeah. Oh, hey, who was the, who was this guy? So it turns out he's former NXT tag team champion Danny Birch. Damn um, it! <laughs> and so me and him are cool now. I'm like, I'm bummed that it happened, but like, fuck you, play stupid games, you win well, stupid. What prizes. did he have a reason to do this? I get you're like a 30 year veteran who's done all kinds of shit overseas, this that, and the other. Pretty legitimate tough dude who kind of knows how to grapple. I've been told, but like. Bro, if you want to fuck with a rookie, like, hey, talk some shit. I'll take a joke, but don't fucking put your hands on me. Like, that's where I draw the line. Yeah. And you're going to make it clear that you're going to put your hands like, hey, I'm, why don't you go fuck yourself? Like, bro, I'm, I'm asking you nicely not to touch me again. Bro, I ain't telling you. Bro, I need to know that's not going to happen again. I'm going to fuck you up right now. I'll go fuck myself. Okay, we'll just we'll just bypass all the you fucking with me and pushing me yeah. and touching me until I do something. And I'll just smack the fuck out of you right now. So I mean, since you guys are on good terms now, did he does he have a reason for any of that? Like, what, just was it just I a rib? Really like, talk to him about it. I mean, we're cool. We've shaken hands a few times at shows. Um, we're cool. Um, I mean, but and I'd I'd rather there not be drama and stuff between us. Mm-hmm. I'd rather us be Get friendly. It. And if anything, I think as a dude who's like used to being able to fuck with dudes for so long in his career and like watching all these dudes punk out, he might respect me now and be like, yeah. "Hey, that fool's a fucking real one." Like. Because he's never we in the times we've seen each other out that he wasn't hasn't been like an asshole to me or like and if, if roles were switched and I was used to punking out fucking tons of kids for fucking years and years I get this big tough oh I'm gonna go fuck with this big motherfucker because he ain't gonna do shit about it and like I got the social maturity like hey motherfucker don't do that and like I'll be bro I'll be pleasant as fuck I was pissed he pushed me like but hey smile on my face please blah 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 no like ain't hey, not for real. Like, bro, I gave you fucking, like, three chances. Like, go fuck myself. I, well, I kind of did fuck myself, though, because it got me in a lot of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) At least people just think I hit motherfuckers for no reason now, but he deserved it. Hey, dude, you told the whole story and gave it context. (laughs) Yeah, with the clarification on the story, man. I mean, if any any grown man, especially with combat experience, if you're going to shove me in the back, to your point, you gave the man a couple chances. And that's what I, grew up, I grew up just outside Detroit. Corey, can I just tell you, if what if I told you and everybody back, They're fat. getting punched in the face. You know, that's, well, that's what's the next? way it goes. If, if the push didn't get me to flip out, what next? You're going to slap me in front of everybody? Yeah. Like, you know? What yeah. next? You're going to like, like right. what? I Like, we're just going to skip the what's next. We ain't even going to find yeah. out. Because if there's a next, I'm just going to smack the fuck out of you right now. We can fuck the next. <laughs> we can just get right to it. Yeah, Dude, I... <laughs> That's what I was getting ready to say because, like, Corey and I have known each other since I was, like, 16. I grew up boxing. I got a purple belt in jiu-jitsu myself. And I've always told him and all of our buddies, I'm like, look, dude, 
I'm like the most unconfrontational motherfucker, but I always tell everybody when we're fucking around, whatever you do, do not grab me from behind. Because if I think that if I think that it's somebody trying to pick me up or wrestle me or whatever, I can't do it. I'm all for <laughs> fucking around and playing around and good time and all that stuff. But I respect that 100 percent because I don't do well with that stuff. It just I don't know. Call it training. Call it whatever you want. I just don't do good with it. But. One thing that you've been doing great with since you've made the switch is pro wrestling, man. So let tell me a little bit more about that. Like I said, we were getting into your switch from MMA, getting into wrestling. We finally answered the question that I've kind of wondered since we started talking about <laughs> CYN. So now that we've gotten that shit out of the way, tell me more about the NWA. How did that come to come to be? I saw you came out with Chris Silvio. I know you've been training at uh, Death Proof JoJo and all that stuff. So. Tell me about that. Tell me how you got into NWA and how are you feeling after the debut? Cool. So my actual NWA on camera debut was several years ago, actually. About September of 2020, I made my on-camera debut for the NWA. However, it was not in an in-ring capacity. It was as an analyst. I commentated actually four NWA title changes. Hey, get down. Four NWA title changes um, while working with the United Wrestling Network. where They did a joint pay-per-view series called Primetime Live. And on that, I worked as a combat sports analyst, and I called the women's world title change when Serena Deeb won from Thunder Rosa. The TV title when Zicky Dice lost it to Pope. The U.S. title when – oh, who won the – who was the U.S. title between? I want to say Trevor Murdoch won it from Aaron Stevens. The tag titles were the wild cards, which was L.A. Knight. I can't think of yep. And um, Eli Eli Drake. Eli Drake and Latimer, I think, or, or no, some other cowboy lost it to Kratos. And, uh, James Storm. James Storm, there we go. Lost it to um, Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos. And was that three or four? And then the – that was four. U.S. title, TV title, women's title, and tag titles. And so I almost got to call the world title. It didn't change when Jordan Clearwater um, – or all this defended against Jordan Clearwater. I actually had COVID at the time, so I missed that episode or that pay-per-view that week. Um but so that was the beginning of my NWA career. Um, and then, but that was several years ago. And so how my recent stuff came up, my coach, Chris Silvio works on the show. He's Chris Silvio ESQ has been working as like a manager type capacity, um, ma managing guys like Jack Stain. I um, can't remember who else he's worked, but so he does a lot of stuff on screen. He also works as an agent behind the screen. And so he has been my coach. I actually moved December of 2020. I moved myself to Florida because California was shut down completely. And I didn't think that things were going to change there anytime soon. And my fight career was essentially on hold because all my fight contacts were really in California. And I make most of my money in ticket sales. I'll sell $15,000 in tickets. So I'll make five, six, seven, eight grand in ticket sales alone. So like, I couldn't really fight anywhere else, or at least it didn't make as much sense because people in Wyoming didn't know who the fuck Bulletproof Troop was, not the same as in Los Angeles, you know? Um, so my career was essentially on hold, and so I was just like, well, I'm going to go to Florida. And I've been doing – on so beginning of COVID, I started doing online stuff with Coach Silvio because I'm the type of person I need to always be doing something to be getting better and improving. And it's hard for me to – like, I might have a day where I sleep all fucking day, but I can't do that for six months, like – and so I started working online with him for once a week, starting in probably like April. And so we, we worked together for six, seven months, you know, for like we did 25, 30, maybe more hour long sessions of everything from match structure, character development, this, like all kinds of different things from an academic standpoint that I could do while across the country. Um, 
you know, to give me homework, things to watch, or like breaking things down to understand match structure or, or, or so forth. And so by the time it's like October of 2020, I'm like, dude, I don't think that um, California's opening up anytime soon. And I, I think I trained for a jiu-jitsu or a cut, this Billy Robinson catch wrestling term. Yeah, 2020. I think that was in November. And so I did that. And then I moved out to Florida. And I was like, I'm going to go out for six weeks, blah, blah, blah. Because I felt like Chris Sylvia was the right person to help me bring my brand to professional wrestling. And when I say that, what I mean is like, any teacher can teach you how to read and write and how letters work and so forth. But not every teacher can teach you how to write poetry in your own genuine way. You know, and that's what, in my opinion, professional wrestling is. We are each artist there to paint a picture. Obviously, you do that cooperatively. But my a picture that me and this person makes could be totally different than me and this person based upon the styles and so forth, which I think is the beauty of, of professional wrestling. And I felt like Coach Silvio was the right person to help me bring a brand that was genuine to me, what Blake Bulletproof Troop, the MMA fighter, coming to pro wrestling instead of me just being a, another generic pro wrestler. And given I know all the fundamentals, but then it's like the next level. Where do you take it from there? Because um, I think everybody needs to know an arm ringer and a hammer lock and a this and a that and a good tie up and so forth. But how do you take things from there? Like, I almost never tie up. Like, that match with me and Kratos, we were just shooting in on each other. I shot on him, I shot on him, he shot on me. There was no walk up and tie up. And not that I think there isn't a place for that because I absolutely think there is. But I think that as an MMA fighter, I should be shooting the fuck in or they should be shooting in on me and we should be getting into the clinch. If it's me and a big hoss, we could be battling for a while. And maybe towards the end of the shine, we're both like, what's up, blah, blah. Bam. And there's our big tie up that we built up to where now it's a fucking collision like this. Mm -hmm. Two heavyweights, especially a fighter, like that's not how it works in fighting. We find our openings. We get in. We try and see what we can get going. Mm -hmm. so we try something. Does it work? But we don't expose ourselves. Like, you would never just walk up and range where a guy could punch you in the face like that. I love to hear that too, coming yeah. from an MMA from the MMA world myself, because that's one thing I like with the differences and what we see in Brock now versus Brock when he first come into WWE, right? When he first came out of uh, University of Minnesota, you know, you saw a lot more of a pro wrestler version. When he came back after he won the UFC title and what we've seen consequently since is completely different than what we've seen. But Brock's learned how to meld that into being the MMA fighter, but being able to sell enough so that he can also build whoever it is that he's in the ring with. So I love to hear that because... Like I said, there's not many people that are able to go in and do MMA and do MMA well. I mean, we talk about it all the time on this show, being that there's not many people in the pro wrestling world that can uh, respect the MMA world and vice versa. You don't really get a lot of mix of the both. So it's definitely it's definitely cool to hear that kind of thing. I appreciate that. And it's a big thing where of realism and believability are two things that I really try and, and um, emulate as much as possible in my work. And I'm the type of fan where I was a kid, I grew up, I fucking believed it, you know? And I want people to watch my match and be like, damn, ooh, they really hitting each other. Like, dude, I really think those guys didn't like each other. Or like, but to just believe it. And I think that little bit, and I'm not bashing other stuff where like things are obviously extremely cooperative. I think that there's a, a place for that type of wrestling too and different flavors for different people, you know? Like, but my flavor is that realism. Like dudes coming out and scrapping it, just like me and Kratos, it was... A somewhat believable fight, obviously pro wrestling, but like it was a Haas, a Haas fight. And yeah. that's, especially when you see heavyweights, like I get guys that are smaller having different types of faster paced matches or even higher flying. But like there's not really a reason why I do like me or Kratos should go off the top rope. Not, I mean, like 
hey, Brock Lesnar trying to shooting star press at WrestleMania. I get it, a WrestleMania moment. Or like something. That's a big match, though. Right, you know. So I Horrible think, idea. Big match. Holy Horrible shit, idea. I will never forget that. I'm like, oh, my God, he's dead. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, dude, thank God he's got a neck like a fire hydrant. You just hear the You're whole not fucking You got to save the big stuff for the big moments. That's what Corey, that have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, I do remember actually that. I was gonna say, please tell me you saw that because that was back from when you would have still been watching all more frequently. And holy Jesus Christ, I remember that one. Because what's crazy is that's actually the same in the same match. That's where Angle broke his neck too. Really? (laughs) Yeah, Angle broke his neck in that match and then barely made it out of there. Fucking wild. (laughs) Can you imagine if they both went down the same match? Jeez, dude. Fuck's sake. You talk about two of the biggest money makers you got in the company right. going down in one match. Jesus oh, Christ. <laughs> well, yeah. Lesnar was concussed. He didn't know where he was yeah. at. That's why if you look, when he picks up the belt, he can't even fucking see. Took a whole planet <laughs> to the head, though, bro. Like, I thought, oh, hit the head with a planet. That shit ain't no joke. Dude, I was there when he won the UFC <laughs> title and got to see his gloves. That motherfucker's got lunch pails. That's all I'm saying. He's got fucking lunch pails. Those aren't fists. One thing Fuck with you. boxing, they measure a guy's hand. Because, dude, some of these motherfuckers' hands, you're just like, I fight a heavyweight. So, like, there's some fucking gorilla-sized hands. And, like, yeah. I wouldn't want to get hit with this. I mean, I don't want to get hit with a little hand either. But, like. We get down with that, too. We had the two female champs from BKFC on. Uh, Britton Hart and uh, Christine Faria came on, man, and. It, it's crazy, bro, when you think about it, because the thing is, you would think in a lot of ways that you take so much more damage in bare knuckle. But the thing is, you don't necessarily take as much damage because you're also taking the damage to your fist. But man, in bare knuckle, man, it don't take but one of them bitches for your face to just look different. Slice show. <laughs> it's like some people come out. It's, it, it really... It really boils into some people like the the being able to really slide with the punches, man. If if it lands square on these people, like you say, it oh. just it's like an instant. Like you'll just see it instant slice across their yeah. face. Yeah, tons of superficial damage. I think one of the biggest assets to have now in bare knuckle boxing, the more of it I watch, is an ability to avoid damage. Because mm-hmm. dude, it doesn't take a lot to get a cut, and a cut can stop a fight. Like yeah. a badly placed cut where. And I think guys getting into banging too much, I'd be walking around and moving. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm called sniping and just trying to touch people up. Touch, touch, touch. Because yep. yep. you don't need to blast somebody to cut them open. Once you right. cut people open, like it, fights get stopped because it cuts, even if you're not even Well, as let much me ask you this, man. Since we know you've got the M- – My bad. It, lo- it lagged out on my side. My bad. But, uh, no – what I was going to ask is, you know, with you being on the MMA side and talking that on the bare knuckle side, I mean, you know, who's uh, really impressed me from the MMA side and his ability to be able to move his head like that is Joe Riggs. You know, I mean, not that Joe Riggs didn't move his head in UFC and things like that, but the way he's been able to adapt and really be able to outbox the people while still being able to use his clinch yeah. game, you know, while he's fighting in close. I mean, it's a damn shame that his last fight ended in that headbutt. But, dude, just seeing him be able to do that and do that at his age yeah. at this point, dude, Joe Riggs has been a motherfucking monster over there. Well, I was going to say, Joe Riggs has been fought, fighting the UFC for like 20 years ago. He's mm-hmm. a very talented guy. I think a lot of MMA guys, once they don't have to worry about getting taken down, their striking looks so much better because you're worried about that, too. And, and then you can be so much more comfortable and just throw because you know a guy's not dropping on your legs, you know, and you can 
almost bite down and duck and start letting things go or step in more yeah. than you might because you're not worried about a guy snatching a single leg. I'm a huge fan of bare knuckle boxing. Five two-minute rounds or five three-minute rounds where dudes are forced to get in and get to work. Because, dude, you I take mean, that first round off or you take a round off and you are way behind. Yeah. It does not take a big strike to, to change the flow of a fight. I mean, to and your point, catch with, him slipping. to your point with, uh, you know, how people's mentality really changes once they don't have to worry about the takedowns and stuff. Look at, like, what Ben Rothwell did in his debut. He had him out in, what, 20 seconds or some shit? It was like <laughs> – and a guy just because he knew for a very long time, who in my opinion isn't amazing, but he's been around for a very long time mm-hmm. and he's a tough veteran. I mean, like my, my coach fought him probably fuck, dude. He'd fought him a few years before I started training with him, and I started training with my coach in 06. Yeah, okay. so it's tough, bro. That's the guy yeah, that's been around. Around. And Ben's a big tough dude. Who well, another thing to t- take into mind when <clears throat> when Ben fought in the UFC. He fought a heavyweight, which had a 265-pound maximum. I want to say he weighed in at 295 pounds. Yeah, he did. Something like that where I think Bobo was like 260, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. That is a lot of weight coming behind those punches. It's a big dude, but at the same time, that big dude's going to slow down a lot faster. Mm -hmm. He's going to move somewhat slower. But Ben's long, and he gets in and closes distance and starts banging on dudes. But at the same time, 300 pounds is going to get exhausted fast. Like, I'm excited yeah. to see him do more. And the thing I was even more excited about than his debut, which was he did great, came out. I mean, you didn't see a whole lot out of him, and I'm not mad right, right. because I can't be mad at a guy for knocking somebody out in 10 seconds <laughs> right. without it really being. And what do you punch. mean, dude? You didn't show us enough, man. You weren't in there long enough. <laughs> you well, finished that guy too fast. Was his, his promo afterwards like, this almost leaves more questions than answers, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Damn, this fool actually wrote and cut a promo. Like, if I were him, I wouldn't have done the evil without the at the end. Like, I thought that was a little cheesy. Uh, but the dude cut a pretty good fucking promo. <laughs> I almost thought about hitting him up and been like, bro, I like what you did. I'm going to give you some fucking advice. Yeah. I'm still thinking about doing it because I'm thinking about trying to get fighters to pay me to write them material. And just same way I did my Bulletproof Troop shit, where like, I can come up with I can come up with a bunch of shit for a lot of people. And even when I saw Ben, I was like, I thought of like three things off the top of my head real quick. And I'm like, man, that's a really good catchphrase for him. Hey, like, that could be a good fucking side hustle, dude. Well, hey. before before we get off the MMA subject, dude, I gotta ask you. So we just had our KO3C MMA awards for 2022. We talked about who we thought was fighter of the year. We talked about who we thought was knockout of the year. We talked about all those good things. Do you got any picks for knockout of the year for you or fight of the year or fighter of the I year? Say knockout of the year, I got to go with Leon Edwards against Usman because it was so late to fight for the belt. He was getting his ass kicked, and he waited a long time to throw that head kick because I was screaming away early in the fight. Then he started getting taken down and fucked up, but in that fifth round where you could tell Usman was tired and kept ducking. I was like, I'm like, head kick, head kick. <laughs> Hey, and then he finally did it and knocked him out. So I was stoked. And I'm like yelling at like two minutes leading up. Because, dude, it was there. And he just keeps pawing out, waiting for Usman to just or walk mm-hmm. into towards the head side. Move around a little bit. Fake the kick. You'll see him You'll see him pumping, like, fainting. And I'm like, just throw it, bro. He don't, it's there. <laughs> um, I got to say, that's the knockout of the year, though. Especially because of how one-sided that fight was at that point in time. What all was on the line. Usman being an arguable... Goat contender, like on that mm-hmm. path. Because, dude, had he won that fight in like three more, I think he would have set the record for like longest um, win streak, too. 
Like, I would give that. I would, that would be my knockout of the year. Be Leon Edwards over Usman. Yeah. Do you think yeah, they? Uh, do you think Usman gets it back in the rematch? Oh yeah, I think. I mean, it also. I don't know if Leon Edwards keeps it long enough for Usman to get it. If Usman comes to and they have, if he's the first person to fight. I, I think, think they already said fight. that's the next match. The only reason they haven't run it yet is they said Kamaru fucked his hand up. Sometimes people fall off, or well, Kamaru's yeah. hurt right now. He fucked his hand up. But that's, that's why the they thing didn't is, run it. they already said Leon's the main event on that March card, so that's a pay per view mm-hmm. and I mean, everything. Or so. him, all beats him. Um, I think that'd be a fucking scrap, though. I'd, I'd, I'd actually almost rather watch Leon Edwards and Jorge Masvidal fight for the belt first, because I think it's even more- on all them losses, though. It's a fun fight. I like the fight. No, don't get me wrong. On the fight itself, I like it. But there's two things, though. Number one, I don't think that they'll let that fight happen for the simple fact of all the shit with Colby. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. That that alone, I think they don't run it. But as far as the fight itself, I think it's dope. Matter of fact, speaking of Masvidal, you know, shout out to Joe the party. You know, he came down here to fight our boy Austin. Austin got the dub, and then he goes out two weeks later and fights uh, some undefeated kid from ATT at Jorge Masvidal's shit and beats him three rounds to none. So, so I was at those fights at Icon Fight, Icon 5 in Orlando the day before the UFC. In John yeah, Hall. Joe Joe Penifil. I'm not sure which one that was. I'd have to see. But I watched all those fights. I got that. I watched every single one. Um, he was the one that had King Mo in them in his – he had King Mo in them in his corner. He fought the um, the kid from Moldova. Was this the kid who was like the pro boxer, I think? Joe, Joe's a kid from Ecuador. He had uh trying to think of what he had on in that one. But yeah, he he uh um fusion fight team or something like that down there in Florida. But yeah, he's uh like I said, he f- came down here to fight our buddy Austin. I was on commentary for Lights Out Championship, and then uh Austin beat him, and then two weeks later he's on that Masvidal card, and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I had a two week turnaround too. It's it's quick turnaround. Um, But so with Masvidal and Leon Edwards, I think what will happen is Usman will get the belt back and then they'd have that fight happen. Because now Leon Edwards is coming off a loss. It makes more sense. I'd be down to watch Kobe Covington and Usman go at it too. I think that's probably one of the most exciting five round fights between two very skilled mixed martial artists. Especially you guys that are so good at wrestling that I think that it'll reduce the amount of grappling we actually see. Man. I think it'll be more of a scrappy fight, uh, which I'd be. I think that that'd be a great fight. Uh, they fought once, and I think it was fucking one of the best fights too. Uh, Couldn't argue that at all. I just wonder: Do you really think that Colby, like, and J Bone and Corey, feel free to chime mm-hmm. in? But here's my thing with that fight: Like, I think that's a great fight, and they did fight, and I thought it was an awesome fight, but. Colby's really painful. They fought twice, right. and Colby. And the second time, I thought was even. It was very arguable that Colby had pulled that one off. If you kind of well score it the way you're point, supposed though. to, which is round by round. You well, know, it, that's my point, though. He's painted himself into a corner now, right? So he's fought Usman twice. They were great fights, yeah. but he didn't win. And now Usman lost the belt. So now he's got to almost hope that you know, he can somehow get a crack at Edwards or something yeah. because yeah. I feel like Usman is Colby, uh, Colby's kryptonite. But now that Usman's finally been knocked off the crown, I feel like it's Colby's like only real legitimate chance to real yeah. get a shot See, at that I, title at 170. Honestly, in my opinion. Yeah. I feel I like mean, also, a, if he does Colby, get the belt, having the champion's advantage could potentially be, cause they, those were fucking really close fights. He got stopped in one, yeah. two was fucking, but even one was 
fucking back yeah, and forth yeah. and close. Like, uh, and I'd rather see like people want back. But I'll come is not like I like Chimaya, but like I'd rather see him fight Paulo Costa at one eighty five personally. Um, I think that's a tough fight. Paulo Costa is going to talk himself out of any good fights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one hurt with the Whitaker withdrawal thing due to yeah. pants, you know, contract stipulations and all that bullshit. But that being said, I don't know which direction they take it because of the Kamaru Usman injury. I really feel like that kind of throws a major curveball in it. To your point, we could see Colby step in. We could see Masvidal step in just to help boost pay-per-view sales. Absolutely. Even though I feel like he funnest fight probably least deserving though for sure of the like potential opponents out there right at least in my opinion so i personally because he is coming off of the win over jorge masvidal i would like to see colby try to get that spot if that gets offered to him i feel like that would be a great matchup uh edwards versus colby in london with maz with Usman being out at the time, it kind of really, like I say, it just throws a huge curveball. And it's all up to the UFC who they want to uh, kind of give that big push to towards did the upper get, echelon of the division. Did he get surgery on his hand? Was that what, was that, yeah, was something with his hand. I don't know yeah, if it's fully okay. broken, but that. that's why Usman's Ooh. out. What's that, a fat slice of pizza? That looked good. I like it. Yeah. What kind of pizza, though? And are we a pineapple pizza guy? I'm fucking grabbing a piece. <laughs> are you a pineapple on pizza guy? Yep. There it is. Yes. Ah, fuck yeah, dude. I used to never be that until I tried it, and all y'all people that got something to say about pineapple pizza, fuck you. Hey, barbecue chicken pizza with pineapple and jalapeno. Swear to go. I love how that that's the like that's the big question about pizza nowadays. <laughs> Are you a pineapple on pizza kind of guy? Yeah, that's that the first question. Not cheese and pepperoni or cheese anymore. It's do you like pineapple? Anybody yeah. who doesn't like it just isn't cultured. That's y'all's problem. <laughs> Hell yeah, I like my pineapples. I'll have my pinky up in this bitch. But uh, <laughs> speaking of pineapples and being cultured, man, now that you made your debut with NWA, I mean, what's uh, what's the agenda? What's uh, what's the itinerary for Bulletproof Troop in NWA? What's the plan? What's next? I mean, so, you had a hell of a fight with Kratos. Before you answer that, that just made me think of my other question I wanted to ask you. Now that you fought Kratos, I think you would be dope in uh, Barnett's Bloodsport. Have you ever thought of that, and do you want to do that? I have. I've actually commentated Bloodsport. Josh Whatever's John Moxley. I commentated the whole card. Nice. Um, there was supposed to be a Bloodsport about a month ago in L.A., and Josh hit me up about it. Josh is also from Los Angeles. Both of us fight at heavyweight. September 21st, 2019, I had a fight. Josh had a fight. March 13th, 2022, I had a fight. Josh was supposed to have a fight. Josh and I have been training camp a lot together and stuff. I didn't think that I was in a position to be like, yo, what's up? He hit me up about it. But now that it's after the new year, I'm going to send him the NWA match. And be like, hey, here's the match me and Kratos. I know you guys are going to have a show in WrestleMania week in L.A. Keep me posted. Because I'm from L.A. So I saw a fuckload of tickets. Fuck yeah, we'll be there too. Me and uh, the homie Megaran will be out there as well. We'll have to uh, definitely come through. We were there with uh, the only female Bloodsport champion, our good friend Miss Lindsay Snow as well so definitely i'm looking forward to that hopefully we see you on that fucker so Lindsay's a beast i called she's from orlando too i think 
I called one of her matches what? on the live series. Florida, Florida man. I don't know exactly where, but I know she is a Florida yeah. yep. man. I know that. Dude, she's tattooed me, man. She tattooed me the last time I was in Florida. So, yeah, like I said, shout out to uh, Lindsay Snow. I just talked to her the other day. But I definitely would like to see you in Bloodsport. It's wild that I didn't even remember that because I've watched all the Bloodsports, my stupid ass. But so uh, and watch it now. You'll be able to. And you're gonna be like, "Holy shit! This commentator really knows what the fuck he's talking about." Exactly. <laughs> like, Bro, you notice I was going for a heel hook and set that up into the crab run, like heel hook crab. And I was like, "Yeah, bro, I fucking yeah, train." <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, th- how do you? Let me ask you that. So, with you getting into wrestling, how much do you find yourself with uh, wrestlers who are trying to integrate MMA into their style and stuff? Like you mentioned, a John Moxley. J-Bone, bring the fucking bell. We were in Vegas and went and trained over at Extreme Couture and shit. What the fuck? You had a bell. Anyway, uh, when we were at Extreme Couture in Vegas, we went and trained with the homie uh, Gil Gordado over there, and Mox was just getting done training. You know, you've we've seen him incorporate uh, the Bulldog Choke and all those things. So what are your thoughts on all these guys we're seeing incorporate more jiu-jitsu and and the wrestling into the wrestling and stuff. I'm a huge fan because, like I said, my flavor of professional wrestling is believability. I'm not mad mm-hmm. at guys who are like, you don't even fight MMA. Like, I, I love, come on, bring as much of that realism. Train your punches, make them look real. And so, like, you know what it's like to actually be hit or so forth. Like, because sometimes you see people do shit and you're like, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. You've never, never hit a person for sure. You know, yeah. which I'm also not mad at those people, but I'm very encouraging people learning how to grapple, make their exchanges look better, because it'll just help everywhere. Even if you're not trying mm-hmm. to necessarily be the MMA guy in pro wrestling, just having the fluidity of being able to like do a sit-out boom and take someone's back, like you can just tell the people who have done grappling where now it looks a lot more of a natural motion instead of a dance, which the dance kind of bothers me, and I get that that's – I'm not mad at that flavor. Like, just like there's certain foods I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. I like a lot of shit. There's definitely things I prefer. There's some things I don't like, you know. Um, but that doesn't mean that somebody who likes something I don't like is wrong, you know. It's just personal preference. Um, but so I'm a fan of seeing people do it. But what I will say, though, on giving people a hard time is the guy – so one of my things is shooters are going to shoot. And hashtag, does your favorite shooter even shoot? Like, I shoot the MMA guy. I to like, <laughs> you would, what are you like, blue belt, purple belt? Like, oh, like white belt. Like, no, I don't even like, oh, you just pretending sort of, which I ain't mad at the pretender, but like, I'm going to be the motherfucker to start calling you out. Like, oh, yeah, really? But like, mm. shooters are going to shoot. And like, it's one of the things I don't mind doing is fucking questioning people's legitimacy. Just like, who'd you get your black belt from? Oh, yeah, like, oh, you're a shooter. Like, so, like, when was the last time you competed? Have you ever competed? Like, it is well, nice to hear that, too, because, man, if I told you how many people I've heard over the years, I'm a black belt. Well, where are you a black belt from, though? Like, who are you? Who do who'd you who'd you get it from? Who do you who, who do you train with? Black, black belt Muay Thai or some silly shit, and you're just like, word. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're a savage. So you did how many armbands did you get first? Can you tell me that? <laughs> so so I'm a fan of but also within reason because if a guy wants to come in and be the MMA guy in pro wrestling and you and they have zero experience, I'm gonna give you a hard time about that. So I'm gonna call you a fake motherfucker. Like when have you did you like have you ever even I'll call that motherfucker out with the quickness. So like you know, but give him I'm not gonna go out and call out somebody who's a gimmick or like a you know, 
Mm-hmm. Undertaker, you're not really dead. It's like <laughs> no <laughs> shit. <laughs> what? What? But I'll call out the MMA guys in pro wrestling because that's like my shit. My and I almost think it adds to my value and credibility when I'm calling out the legit shooters. Like, really, motherfucker? Like, what have you ever done in combat sports? Like, you know, I'm going after a guy who's the AIWF champ, a shoot fighting champion. And so, like, I only post something to the organization about like who wants to shoot us or whatever. Some or who are the best shoot fighters in pro wrestling out there? And he's like, oh, me, because I'm the champion. And so I just start going in on this dude. Um, and like, so he posts the thing. And he's got like a Naga belt and the Grappler's Quest medal and stuff. I'm like, bro, that Naga belt's like at least 15 years old. The Grappler's Quest stopped doing events in like 2005, 2007. So like, when was the last time you actually competed? Because like, all this shit's in the last eight years, my man. Like, I'm actively competing. I had two submission-only grappling matches against black belts this year. One a top 16 in the world. I'm not even a black belt yet. Like, bro, I'm in the fucking trenches. And Rob Van Dam walks me out for those fights, too, which is really cool. Corners that- <laughs> Rob Van Dam, CBD company. Love RVD, man. Great guy. Dude, that, that led me into a question I had to ask you. And, yes, that's why I put it in the fucking title. So, look, we're from Michigan, all right? Everybody knows he's from Battle, uh, Battle Creek, if I can spit it out. Jesus Christ. With that being said, how do you think a prime RVD does MMA, jiu-jitsu-wise, all that stuff? You know, I think he could have done very well. He, hey, hey, relax, you two. Um, he is a very skilled kickboxer. Hey, relax, you two. Go. You take <laughs> Things are getting wild over here. Yeah, they're just bang, like, bang, barking and, and, and like scratching around. I got three dogs, two cats, man. You ain't got to explain nothing over here. Same here. I got a couple <laughs> dogs, too. You're speaking to the choir. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think Rob could have done very well. Rob's extremely athletic. Um, he's tough. He's not some pussy. And he actually got himself in some trouble early on for wrestling, for kicking people. Um, and he's telling me a story. He's like, I didn't realize at the time. They were, like, kind of pissed. He's like, all right, kick me again. And do it, like, take him down and, like, try and wrestle him down and then, like, keep doing it. Rob's a tough dude who has a martial arts background, extremely athletic. Like 240 pounds, I think he could have done very well, particularly at that era of fighting, where it was a one you were one style dominant, and you might have knew some other shit. Maybe you were learning a little bit, but at the time it was like boxer versus wrestler, like wrestler versus jujitsu, or like kung fu versus sumo. Like it wasn't like now where it's. I mean, I'm submission grappling is my strong point, but I could box, I could kickbox, I could wrestle, I could do jujitsu, like. Guys now are extremely well-rounded. At that point in time, it was a very one-side dominant. And even when he's, like, biggest in his in the WWE, that's when a guy like Matt Hughes, who was a wrestler, who learned some striking and grappling. Like, you know, then we see guys like that get phased out by a GSP who now is great at everything. It makes that dude not look very fucking good, you know? Um, and that's, it just shows the evolution of the sport. I think at the time, he could, Rob could have done very well in combat sports. I agree completely. I just had to ask you that once I saw that he was coming out with you at high rollers and shit like that, because obviously, I mean, us being from Michigan, we're big RBD fans over here. Mm-hmm. And as you can tell from our sponsors, uh, Michigan's finest, you know, we, we appreciate the CBD stylings of one RBD. Um, so I definitely had to ask that. So I don't know, dude, I feel like we've touched most of the bases. Let me circle back around to the original question with NWA. Ed, now that you've got the debut out of the way, you've made your debut here. What do you see for yourself in NWA? And what's your message for Billy Corgan or anybody else in the NWA? Um, so 
with the NWA, my future, I'm not sure. What I do know is that their next pay-per-view and TV tapings, I want to say February 11th, 12th, and 13th, their power tapings, are here in Tampa, Florida, which is where I currently live. Mm. And like I said, I'm a big ticket seller in fighting. I haven't really tried to sell tickets too much in wrestling yet. But so it's going to be in a place I live at. So in a place where I'm definitely going to try and sell tickets to. So there is a chance that I am going to be doing something on booked a little bit, probably not on the pay-per-view for the TV or something. Who knows? Um, but what I do know is my coach is making his in-ring debut or return debut for NWA, but return to the ring after years and years being off on that pay-per-view. So who knows if I'm working some type of angle with coach Chris Sylvia, where I'm like his bodyguard sort of, and he's like my lawyer. I don't really know. Um, that would be an ideal situation for me. If I could work closely with my coach and then be in a position where I'm working with somebody who like cares about me and my career and somebody who I like, it would mean a lot for me to be able to have a storyline with somebody who's, I attribute so much of my success and preparation where I'm currently at, um, you know? And so he, my coach is the reason I got my NWA debut. He works as a producer on the show and he's an on-screen talent, but I didn't get booked on NWA. He's like, dude, you're at the point where I think you're ready and they don't know you enough and so forth. And like, there's a little bit of a reputation around you being fucking a big, scary motherfucker who knocks people. He's like, my recommendation is to book your own flight, your own hotel and come up to the power tapings. It's a few days. And he's like, I think when they see you, they're going to come talk to you and ask about you. And that's exactly what happened. They asked about me day one. I wake up day two, finding out I've got a match book that day. Um, so I just took a gamble on myself. Like I've had to do a handful of times in my career, but my coach is like, dude, you're ready. And this is what we've been fucking working for is a, a potential spot on a big show like this. And at the time, like I said, I was undefeated. And I'm like, coach, are you sure that we give up this undefeated story? Because I'm, I'm trying to pitch that to AEW or WWE, mm -hmm. NWA. Like, because being undefeated, like, given I realize it's pro wrestling and that we're working, it's I'm not really knocking people out and stuff. But at the same time, the perception of a fan. And I've watched enough yeah. sports movies to know that an undefeated streak ending is a big deal. Um, big deal. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, what's the value in keeping that? Is it worth potentially missing an NWA debut that they've, they've now seen me and invited me? Like, nah, I'm good. I'm not trying to lose today. And my coach was like, dude, I think the right choice is to take that first L, show them you're here to do business, come out, put on a banger performance, come out, like bring that intensity you bring. And he's like, and I think that's what's going to segue you into the best stuff, you know? And then they'll know that you're a company I'll come in and do work. And I was like, all right, that's what you think we should do, coach. Um, so that's what I did. And I'm stoked on it. I mean, like I said, I'm a little bummed that that undefeated story ended without being mentioned it wasn't like he's undefeated blah blah wow crater like yeah, they just did was which i'm not mad at because like i said it fucking work you know um but it was something that i gave up to make that debut and i think that it'll end up paying off i think i'll hopefully be doing something probably something on the power i don't think i'll necessarily have a pay-per-view position particularly this early unless it's uh, piggybacking on my coach somehow um but then more power taping. So some of my goals for 2023, um, one of those goals. So I've set a handful. Um, one of them is I'd like to capture some type of NWA goal. And it could be anything. Um, you know, and that's like one of my reach goals. That's like, you know, I want to have. Let me, I'm just going to pull my. Short term, long term and the reach ones. Exactly. And see, exactly. So another thing I want to say, it's four to six uh, matches per month. Yeah meaning 48 to 72 within the year. So if, if sometimes I do a little more, a little less, I'm cool with that. But I'm also trying to 
create an exclusivity with my brand. I don't want to wrestle every weekend. I'm not trying to put that mileage mm-hmm. on my body or work with talent that isn't as responsible or as skilled. I can get paid more by just kicking back, doing less, and making a big deal of it when I do get in the ring. Mm-hmm. So four to six matches a month, which in my opinion is not once a week or potentially twice a week a few times. Like, <clears throat> um, then So another reach one, if I can challenge for the NWA world title, that would be a fucking big thing from like, and just to be in that picture, you know, I wouldn't expect to win the NWA world title. I even think winning one of them in my first year with them is, I don't know if I'd say crazy reach, but it's a reach. It's like, but I'd like to set some reach goals, you know. Um, I'd also like another one of these goals is wrestle, uh, wrestle at Bloodsport WrestleMania Week in LA. Well, I think yeah. that's very attainable. Yeah. I think I just need to make a phone call and that happens. Like, um, Josh Barnett, if you hear it, your door is still open, like oh, we've said oh, before, to come on the show, but let's fucking run it. I got Josh's number. Um, I just texted him the other day about Fuck Christmas. yeah. Um, but so those are a couple big ones, you know, and like I said, I know that they're not a title doesn't – I didn't go out. It's not like one of these MMA belts or one of these, like, that I fuck somebody up for. But it's a perception that the audience sees and what your brand is valued at. And so to be – to be even in a title situation or a title challenge or whatever, it shows that there's a lot of faith and value in me as a competitor to re- to bring more value to the champion or to the belt or whatever it may be. So that's that's some big ones that I have this year. Um, my other big reach goal is co-main event on an NWA pay-per-view. Well, I have a goal of be on an NWA pay-per-view, reaching a little bit though, like. You know, I think that, I think the co-main will be a little harder because there's less pay-per-views. Had if it was a WWE that had one every fucking four weeks, right, right. You know, given that's a big show, but like, you know, I think NWA. I get the point. Within twelve months, I think that's possible. I think with I think at least challenging for a belt. And if I just challenge for any belt, I'd still be happy. But you know, when you when you aim high and you got all this stuff <laughs> in here, I find that I just achieve at a much better rate when I set reach goals and, and reach goals typically are more reachable than we realize until we start setting mm-hmm. them and hitting them. And then we're like, Oh shit, I really try and do this. I'm like, and given it's not just, I want to do this and I'm going to hope like I start putting plans together and I'm like, you know, I wanted to get up to 240, 250 pounds. I'm going to figure out exactly how I need to do that in terms of my eating, my this, my lifting schedule. Like we can figure it out, but you got to figure out what the fuck you want before you can create the path to get there. <laughs> Well, dude, I can completely relate with that when that comes to this show being our first big thing that we got to do with StarCast 3 and having Diamond Dallas Page, of all people, walk up to us and look at the signs and all that. So, uh, you guys are a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, you gonna interview me, bro? Right then and there. No prep, no nothing. Turn the mics on. Let's go. Dude, dead ass. There was no, there was no prep. There was no nothing, but I damn sure wasn't going to say no. Hey, same preparation and opportunity come together. Y'all were ready, sitting there. Put yourself in that position, and something happened to walk up, and y'all were ready. Yes. Well, oh yeah, let's schedule something for tomorrow afternoon. Nice. Sit yeah, down. We're ready. Go. Right yep. Well, dude, that's literally how it happened with uh, Bischoff and Prichard as well, dude. We went to uh, one of their dirty dozens. They were like, "Hey, you guys were the guys that were over there with uh, Podcast Detroit." He's like, "You guys gonna be there tomorrow?" Come get us and we'll give you we dude, we got to do like a 35 minute conversation, no nothing with Pritchard and Bischoff, where they didn't care, just answer everything. So I totally respect that, love that mindset, and I think it's gonna serve you very well, not only in the NWA, but I hope in Bloodsport. 
Let me end with this. Number one, I'm going to be in L.A. for WrestleMania. I'm going to be there with the homie Mega Ran, who you can catch on uh, the AEW video game when that drops here, Fight Forever and all that, and the, the AEW Black History Month project and all that shit. But we're going to be down there and have a table at WrestleCon. See how I did that with the table there? With that being said, I want to see you throw down at Bloodsport. But I've got a matchup that I feel like would be a fun one, and it, you know it. It also coincides with the MMA one. I'm going to throw out a name who also happens to be a past guest of this show as well, and that be the Savage Gentleman, Victor Benjamin. I feel like that would be that would be a fun-ass fight. I feel like we just saw him do the Combat Fights Unlimited or whatever the hell promotion that was, so he's getting back at his MMA roots too. I feel like that would be a banger of a fight come L.A. All I know is that when we get to L.A., we definitely are going to have to link up at some point. Absolutely. So on that savage gentleman, I am actually good friends with him in personal life as well. I actually stayed at his house a few weeks ago. Um, he lives in Pittsburgh, and Wiz Khalifa is a friend of mine. And Wiz had was on tour, and his last stop was Pittsburgh. And he's like, "Bro, you need to come to the Pittsburgh show." So when Wiz tells you to come to the Pittsburgh show, you go to the Pittsburgh. You show. go. You go. So yeah. In his house, and I brought them backstage, so we got to like meet Wiz, and like we're in like the pit, like fucking right there at the front. Wiz like shouts me out. And he's just Victor's just like. <laughs> okay, I know I heard it, it was the, it's the homie. Uh, but dude, he's a tough dude who trains. We've gone to the gym and lifted. He's strong as shit. Like I got some size on him, but he is a strong dude who's legit. Trains in a legit gym. Uh, so I would, I would definitely be a fun person to either see on the other side of the ring or to share the ring with as a teammate. I would, I would be all about the type of bangers I could put on with him as an opponent or with him as a teammate. Like. That'd, that'd be an awesome one. I'm a big, I am a big Savage Gentleman fan. I've actually commentated one of his matches at Bloodsport as well. I don't remember who it was against. Well, I I will definitely message him and tell him to have to put the fucking uh, bug in Josh's ear too. I'm definitely looking forward to that. But since you mentioned it, dude, it was another thing I was going to ask about, but I wasn't fully sure about. That's the perfect thing for us to end on. Since you mentioned the whole thing with Wiz, do you got any good Wiz, story, Wiz stories before we get out of here? Um, yeah, so there's a whole bunch of fun stuff on my Instagram. Um, I've been friends with Wiz for a few years. Um, I mean, we've just raged and party to get him out. Uh, I don't have any like X rated or wilds. I've never partied that crazy with them, but like, I'm gonna party in like the hotel room, but I gotta eventually leave and shit. Um, but Wiz pulled some bitches, bro. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Have you trained with him on the MMA end on there? Now that I've been seeing him throw, I've been seeing him train MMA and shit. Have you got down with him on the MMA end? So I haven't held pads from him or anything. I've watched him. He's seen me teach where I'll teach some of his bodyguards as well. Dude, so they set up mats. They got all this shit when they go on tour. Like they have fucking everything. And so they'll set up mats. I'll send you a video on. uh, I posted recently on my Instagram. And you can see we're in like the back of the amphitheater, right on the other side of this big walls of stage. And you can hear like bands out there warming up and like doing all the sound checks and, like i'm in here teaching this body i'm gonna cut this way step through on this um but i've watched wiz hit tie pads and wiz can bang bro he's got good movement good balance cuts angles doesn't just stand there and punch like wiz is a talented i mean as an artist like he gets kind of how to paint and that's like what fighting is anybody teach you how to jab cross uppercut but how do you put all that together into stuff that's going to land and wiz He's confident and comfortable, which is what it really takes uh, to start almost close freestyling and finding the stuff you like. 
but that dude can fucking bang, bro. That dude hits <laughs> when he kicks a pad, bro. It's it's impressive. And he's bro, he's like 185 pounds, like six two, six three. He's fucking ginormous. I'm gonna say he's pretty damn big. Honestly, I seen yeah. him. He's long, lanky motherfucker. He is bigger than I thought he's gonna be. He was like, oh, hey, man. And he smokes such good fucking weed, bro. Oh. <laughs> any any chance? I know every time I watch the PFL, man, I hear his song and I see him uh, at least make a couple words throughout a commercial on there. What's the chances we ever see him actually make a MMA debut for the P- PFL now that he's uh, at least I some type of stakeholder? Particularly because anybody he fights it's going to be a favorable matchup because they want Riz mm-hmm. to go in there and win and not have a gnarly war um i think the likelihood of seeing him get inside of a ring though would be more along the lines of a celebrity boxing that's like, what i was thinking oh, yeah i think it'd be inside the pfl i think that he can make more money doing it against and i wouldn't say jake paul but that's like your third fight yeah. on the card your co-main event something like that um i think that's more along the lines of what we see let him fight that guy CM Punk fought. I just brought up the, I brought up the PFL. Um, I could see that. I know he knows Mike. You know, they're both stoners. I could see Mike being the main event, Wiz being the co-main. I could see something like that happening. But in terms of an ever actual just regular MMA fight that wasn't like – and I don't want to say a publicity stunt, but do I think – I don't think he has any desire to be a competitive MMA fighter. Do I think he might want to fight once? Yeah. But I think he'll get paid out of it. And make it a smart decision or smart way to go into the fight and so forth. Um, because dude, the fight camp's fucking exhausting, a lot of work. Like, it's a fucking man, it's not fucking five three minute rounds or whatever. And he's got so much to risk, too, right? Like, if something was to happen, right? You know, if he was to come out on the losing end and it's not in great fashion or something, like, he has he has a lot to lose in that fashion. So, I completely understand it. I brought up the PFL angle because clearly he's highly active with those guys. I don't know what type of I think he's part owner of PFL. That's what I th- that's what I thought. I didn't know what type of Yeah. So I, that's where I was like if you're going to do anything man to help build up your brand, I mean shit, I feel like if you talk about him fighting that'll boost up uh, some pay-per-view sales, that's for sure. <laughs> I think not just yeah, pay-per-view yeah. sales, but I think it puts him in a position where he could he's the type of guy who already goes on talk shows and all this stuff. For this to be a whole reason to go put your brand now in front of a fuckload of different national TV outlets. Like yeah. I'd be on the daily show talking about my fight. I'd be on the, this show, this show, you know, cause you can come bring Wiz on and be like, Oh, and don't you have a big fight coming up? Oh yeah. By the way. But, and it's just, yeah, it's my, it's risky. my big organization on ESPN PFL. Haven't yeah. you seen yeah. it? We got champions. We pay these guys millions of dollars every year. You know, like you could really spin it in such a public light that it would. Exactly. That's and what so I mean. I think if he did it, because you can get so much juice from that squeeze of like, why fight more than once instead of fight once and make a big fucking deal out of it right. with all the build up, all the hype, all the interviews, yada yada yada, and then go in and have a fight and win, and then maybe you have to fight again. We'll see. Blah blah. Like, Shit. And then think about this: they fight. just ran the fight at MSG, being we just had uh, Catherine Corrigenis that fought uh, Decheva on that MSG card. You know, what if, uh, you know, you run something like that and put that on a card, that might be the thing oh, that could actually huge. get PFL into the main yeah. Madison Square Garden, yeah. not the theater, but in the arena. Right. Do you put something like that in there? I feel like you would it would help them sell more pay-per-views, especially with how the last pay-per-view went. I feel like that would be a great idea any way it goes. 
I, I agree 100%. I think it's a, I think it's all, Wiz is a businessman too. You know, I, yeah. I think that's a smart business move potentially to do that in the longer run. But even so, like, Wiz makes bank. Like, is, is, would he make more money to go on tour for three months? Probably. Probably. Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, I totally yeah, don't blame him. Training Who wants to go there and they get punched in the face? Would you just rather go on tour? Bro, you have no idea how many different hot bitches that show, like, bro, that just that they just pull up the shows like see the guy's bro, clearly living the life what do you need to go get punched in the face for he doesn't need that right yeah you know where you just fucking pull a dozen bad bitches and fuck a bunch of them and get drunk like <laughs> he's, uh, he's yeah. dude he's got he's got the game down well he's dude i feel yeah. like we've covered all the bases so if you've got any last words and anything you want to let everybody know or anywhere they can find no, you and all I that stuff. Last words, people, yo, stop by BulletproofTroop.com. Get yourself up some merch. Got all kinds of good shit on there. You can follow me at BulletproofTroop on Instagram, at BigTroop22 on Twitter, or Facebook.com forward slash BulletproofTrooper. Stop by, like, share, subscribe. Do all that shit. One more time, Blake Bulletproof Troop, known for dropping warheads on people's foreheads, baby. Shit! <laughs> You heard the man. Lights out. Hit that motherfucking subscribe button. You don't know what we got coming for you in 2023. You know, we were fucking with Shane Taylor Promotions. I heard there might be a little surprise come 2023. Happy New Year, motherfuckers. Peace.